Hello everyone and welcome to episode 110 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and as always I'll be your host today. Now if you are a regular listener um, and you're listening to this in real time, you'll be aware there wasn't an episode last week and for that I'm very sorry. There was some technical hitches and by technical hitches my voice stopped working. Um, I lost my voice, I wasn't very well and yeah, I just didn't think that you'd want me croaking through an episode. Um, So we paused that one and here it is today. I am back in the UK, which means I'm back with my microphone, um, which means the quality should be considerably better than the last few episodes. Um, But it is interesting to be back. I'm not going to say it's great because I'm cold, but... It is nice uh, to be back recording in the way I'm used to um, and bring you this episode all about John Archer. John Richard Archer was born on the 8th of June 1863 on Blake Street in Liverpool to Mary Theresa Burns, who was an Irish Catholic lady and his father from Barbados and who was a ship steward. John Archer moved to Battersea with his wife Margaret in the early 1890s. He is recorded on the 1901 census to have been a professional singer amongst other jobs. It's also noted that he may have been a medical student for some time, but it's not clear when or why he abandoned his studies. The census also shows that Bertha Elizabeth, John's wife, was from Halifax in Canada. She was a black Canadian. Archer entered into local politics after attending the Pan-African Conference held in London in 1900, which was the episode 109 um, last week or the week before that. Um, And if you want to know more about that conference and what happened during the conference and the kind of delegates that were present and what they spoke about, you can listen to episode 109. Um, There he met leading members of the African diaspora, um, and it's there that his um, local political career begins uh, and he's kind of inspired and influenced to take on a role in local politics. John Archer is remembered most notably by a blue plaque at 54 Brian Marode, London South West, where he lived in Battersea, to be specific. Um, and that was erected by English Heritage in 2013. The house was a terrace house dating back to the 1880s, and it was the home of John Archer and his first wife from around 1898, as I mentioned earlier, for about 20 years. They settled there from Liverpool, and it's also noted at this time he opened a small photography shop, which was quite rare um, because I think at that time photography was a relatively new thing, shall we say, Um, And the fact that he had this small photography shop during this time um, was quite cutting edge, innovative. Um, He was a man clearly ahead of his time in many ways. During this time, John Archer's most notable political movements were undertaken. First, he's remembered at this address in true English heritage blue plaque style. His first election to Battersea Council occurred when he occupied number 55 and his historic elevation to the office of mayor which we're going to be talking about today. So, his political career. Archer gained an interest in the local politics of London by being acquainted with social activists in the area who at that time were labelled as radicals. Um, At this time, Battersea was a very poor, overcrowded district. Um, I don't know if any of you have been to Battersea more recently. I haven't, but I've seen pictures and it's very much a different place now. 
Um, and, you know, obviously there's been many changes throughout the 1940s, 50s, 60s, um, and all the way up to now in the 2020s, um, this area of Battersea that started out in the late 19th century as a poor, overcrowded district with severe social problems, um, becoming a magnet for left-wing political activity um, and Archer being pulled into this world, living there at the time. Initially, Archer became known for his fiery public speeches, um, oftentimes against things like spiritualism. Um, but it was at this time he begins to take an interest in local politics and was elected as a progressive, um, which is kind of a liberal councillor, uh, for the Latchmere Ward. And this was in 1906. He was very interested in health and welfare issues um, and through this work became a member of many council committees and also, which is quite notably um, remembered for the Wandsworth Board of Guardians, um, which was in charge of kind of overseeing and overlooking public health and welfare. Um, and he became chair of the Baths Committee within this work and within this role. He maintained an interest in the Nine Elms Swimming Club uh, for the rest of his life. And this kind of time where he's really thinking about local politics and thinking about the area that he is living in, um, and making it somewhat a better place um, for people that are living there, for working class people as well as for black people. Um, he successfully campaigned for a minimum wage of 32 shillings a week for council workers. Um, and at this point, he kind of has like a little, I call it a bump in the road with his local politics as he's not re-elected um, as a progressive again until 1909. Um, but his campaign in 1912 allows him once again to be elected as the progressive for Battersea. In 1913, Archer was nominated and wins the election for the seat as the mayor of Battersea, London. Archer was the first black mayor in London's history um, and I think he was the second black British mayor overall obviously outside of London there was a black mayor before him and his name is Alan Glacier Mins he was born in 1858 in Inagua in the Bahamas his paternal grandmother was enslaved and he was educated at Nassau Grammar School uh, which was a school that did not operate a coloured bar uh, it was an Anglican secondary school um, and it aspired to get pupils into British universities or a profession and he progressed from there to study medicine and train as a doctor at Guy's Hospital in London. He was then admitted into the British Medical Association in 1884, enabling him to practice as a doctor. He went into practice in Norfolk um, and remained there for 38 years. And during that time, he was elected to town council and then became mayor uh, for the first of two terms um, of office. And he was a little bit older than John Richard Archer. Um, John Richard Archer being born, um, as I mentioned, in 1863 and also being born in Britain. So um, Dr. Minns had been an immigrant and he had travelled over for the purpose of study and then settled in Britain. John Richard Archer was born in Liverpool um, and, you know, lived his whole life here. Whilst he was of a kind of merchant background, um, 
it's definitely the case that he was from Britain and born and raised here, which is a controversy we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, because that was something that he was criticised for, um, being a black man in Britain and, you know, this kind of idea of, well, can he identify as British? Same conversations we're having today. John Richard Archer was dealing with in the 19th century, um, you know, and this is a time where there are very few people that look like him um, doing the things he's doing and just being in the UK uh, in general. Um, he was elected to the Progressive Party, um, which I mentioned earlier, and he was aligned more to the left of kind of centre politics and a very much a supporter of trade unionism and that kind of thing, um, which is a slightly different to Dr Minns. Um, I'm not sure if John Richard Archer was aware of Dr Minns. There's an article I've read that said he was probably aware, unaware that Dr Minns... Um, being, you know, in Norfolk, being elected also um, to this role. Um, he may not have actually known him or have heard of him um, at this time. Um, so it would have been interesting, actually, to to know if they knew each other or knew of each other. Um, but, you know, there isn't really any kind of information that we can kind of glean that suggests that um, Richard Archer was... John Richard Archer, sorry, was aware of him or, or knew what he had achieved just before him, if that makes sense. To kind of know that, you know, this had been done and you can do it too. Now, the thing I know John Richard Archer for is, I don't know why I keep calling him John Richard Archer. You know, if you Google John Archer, he doesn't come up straight away. There's some other John Archers who are clearly, apparently more notable. So you have to type in, like, either John Archer Mayor of Battersea or John Richard Archer or sometimes Google asks you the question like do you mean John Richard Archer Battersea mayor um so yeah that happens um that's why I think I'm calling him John Richard Archer because I'm very much used to searching his name as that because John Archer doesn't really give you the information that you want and I kind of found that considering he is one of the first the first mayor black mayor of London um there's not much on him that's easily accessible um in the same way that the figures that come in the post-war era are which we know there is a big sway towards post-war migration histories when it comes to black british histories as opposed to the earlier stuff um especially not 19th century um and the early 20th century we're getting a little bit better i think with the interwar years um, I, I'm trying on this podcast anyway um, to do that and if you've noticed actually there hasn't been an episode about any post-war histories for a very long time I think Stephen Lawrence but I wouldn't really class that as post-war history even though it is I'd class that as it's not current is it it's 30 years ago just feel like um, it really wasn't that long ago maybe because nothing's changed but um, yeah I think I've really made a conscious effort to do more episodes about things that happened before World War Two, um, because I really want to highlight the fact that there was a black presence in Britain well before um, the Windrush arrived, um, and the contribution that they made prior to World War Two in this country. Um, and I know I always say I'm not judging people based on their contribution. People are human beings. History is interesting, despite the fact that it's so heavily politicised and you've really got to fight for the right to talk about black people by saying, remember what they contributed. Um, you know, despite all of that, 
there have been notable people who have done notable things um, in this country in the earlier decades. Um, and it's quite interesting to learn about them because this is kind of outside my original sphere of knowledge. This takes work. This takes extra research. But it's, it's very interesting and I enjoy it. Now, the reason why there's an episode about John Richard Arches because actually it was um, requested. That's the main reason. But how I know John Richard Archer is because of his speech. And I think I've seen it performed and maybe I should have performed it for you today, but I don't think I would do a good job. So I will be taking some quotes out of it and kind of going through them because his speech was... I think an attempt to change attitudes towards black people. Maybe I'm giving it too much um, kind of political gravitas behind it. I don't know if that was the right word. But I think his acceptance speech made his appointment to mayor quite iconic. Um, and he speaks about race relations. He speaks about his race openly. You know, he doesn't just kind of pretend that he's not a black man and that he's probably not judged in a different way to his white counterparts he makes it very clear and the things he's going through through disappointment um through his election to mayor you can tell he really has a lot to get off his chest and he really wants to talk about some of the things that he's going through and we're going to go through this now in a little bit of depth and then talk about his legacy and then talk about the controversy that i spoke about earlier which is titled in my notes from my researcher, thank you, Zakia, The Asian Allegations, Denial of Archer's Blackness. So we're going to get there shortly, um, but it's quite an interesting controversy, I will say, um, and we will talk about that in a second. In his acceptance speech, he responds quite bravely and courageously, I'd say, to his role as an icon of progress in regards to race relations. He says, it is a victory such as has never been gained before. I am a man of colour. Many things have been said about me which are absolutely untrue, but I have entered into the humour of it because I knew they were untrue. I am proud to be. I would not change my colour if I could. My election tonight marks a new era. You have made history tonight. For the first time in the history of the English nation, a man of colour has been elected as mayor of an English borough. That news will go forth to all the coloured nations of the world and they will look at Battersea and say it is the greatest thing you have done. You have shown that you have no racial prejudice but recognise a man for what you think he has done. Now, I don't know why this is reminding me of Obama and this whole idea of America being post-racial because they have a black president. Um, unfortunately... John Richard Archer, electing a black man does not remove racial prejudice. We've learned that. We've learned that many times now. Um, and it is interesting here as well that he is quite unaware of Dr. Minns, um, who was elected mayor uh, just before. One thing that is quite notable is his pride in being a black man. He says, I would not change my colour if I could. You know, he's proud to be. Um, and... You know, he is, he's mixed race. His mom is Irish and his dad is from Barbados. Um, and, you know, he's still obviously going to be marked um, as black. And he's proud of that. And it's very much, very much clear. It is very clear um, through his speeches. And also in 
Um, W.B. Du Bois's journal, The Crisis, um, and I think they would have met at the 1900 Pan-African Conference, which we talked about last episode. Um, There is um, photos of Archer and his wife, Bertha, who we mentioned earlier, Um, and the kind of note with it is that Archer, and I quote, fears no man and brooks no insult because of the race to which he is proud to belong. Racial pride clearly coming up again and again. Um, and he's very proud of himself, you know. He's proud that he is able to to win. He's proud that he can take on this role. He's proud that he can stand up as a black man um, and say, you know, here we are, look at us. We can also hold office, um, which is a lot of um, the kind of existence of, of black people sometimes saying, by the way, we can do this, even though you have put us in positions of inferiority for X amount of years, historically, um, we actually can do this. So this is John Archer saying, we can we can be mayor, we can be political, we can be elected, um, as many, many people have done historically and today. Now, as you can imagine, this story wasn't just going to be the story of John Archer, who becomes mayor and everything is happy and everybody claps and sings kumbaya in a circle. Obviously, there's going to be racism. We're talking about Britain. (laughs) Um, And so, (laughs) unfortunately, he is left with a lot of negative feedback. He receives letters um, and he receives hate and he, you know, takes to the platform a meeting one month later at a town hall to talk about it and he says and I quote do you know that I have had letters since I have been mayor calling my mother some of the foulest names that it is possible for a mother to be called three weeks ago I received a postcard I may be able to put the finger of the law on the writer and then I will make him suffer I can't understand why there should be this opposition to me before I was mayor I received no opposition on the council. I have never been made to feel my position more than any man who has ever occupied this chair. Not because I am a member of the council, but because I am a man of colour. My dead mother has been called in question because she married a coloured man. Am I not a man, the same as any other man? Have I not got feelings the same as any other man? I may be wrong when I come here and meet this opposition. But would not any other man in my position think that the opposition was because of his colour? And, end quote, that is very interesting to me, first of all. Not the racism, because expected, always. Um, But the fact that it's his mother, his dead mother at that, that is actually being, her name is being being dragged through the mud for, for marrying a man of colour, marrying a black man, um, and having a child with him. Uh, And I think this probably speaks somewhat as well to racism, but also to mixed marriages, interracial relationships, um, and attitudes towards that at the time. Um, It's very clear that there's, you know, a problem with this white lady um, having a black husband, which we know um, historically has been an issue and a, a specific point of racism and and racial issues um historically in not just britain but in america as well um but he's asking you know am i not a man and that is actually the same 
quote question that is used during abolitionist movements. I don't know if you can visualise the poster with a man breaking his shackles and the caption engraved at the bottom is, am I not a man? You know, am I not just like you, white man? Uh, am I not allowed to have the same rights and freedoms as you? Am I not allowed to take office without my race being dragged every day? That's what he's asking. Um, and, you know, the kind of response that he's getting to this speech is is very much positive for the most part there's some here here's shames when you know he talks about what his mother's been called um and i think you know i don't believe his time in office is necessarily marred by racism but it's clearly an issue um and something that he speaks up on and speaks up about as his career progresses um and as time moves on um, he became election agent for the parliamentary candidate in North Battersea, who was Charlotte Despard, who was a suffragette, an Irish nationalist and a socialist. Um, and John was um, Charlotte Despard's joint nominator um, and chaired her election meetings, I think on record at least one. Um, her manifesto looked at justice for Ireland, for India and replacement of empires of federa- by federations um, and that would allow them to have more autonomy um, and to kind of move towards self-governance, which is a lot, feels very progressive for early 1900s because, you know, we fast forward and it's 1950s and most of the people in empire are not yet independent or just working towards it. Um, So, yeah, very kind of interesting that he is part of those kind of political circles, but not when you think about the Pan-African Conference of 1900 and the conversations that were happening there. Um, In the municipal elections of November 1919, Labour sweeps the board. He's a progressive, um, and so he isn't in that role anymore, and Archer gets re-elected to the council and the board of guardians. Um, the Africa Progress Union was formed in 1918. I think I mentioned them last episode. If I didn't, I'm sorry, but I do think I did. Um, and that was all about promoting general welfare of Africans and Afro people, so kind of the diaspora, um, and also spreading knowledge of black history. Um, and, you know, it was there that he kind of also begins to work with the likes of Du Bois. Um, he attends another Pan-African Congress, the first one after World War One in 1919 in February. Um, and that's in Paris. Um, and, you know, he also takes part in conversations um, that relate to the race riots uh, in Liverpool after world war one which i think i've done an episode about i can't remember what number it is but it's there um and he also um contributes to the fees of the guyanese lawyer edward nelson who defends a black man arrested in the riots in liverpool and he's just kind of he's just that man really he's just that man of the early 19th century that is about supporting the causes that are impacting um, african people and people of the african diaspora in britain um and, you know, he's got this political career behind him, he's got this notoriety, he's got this platform, um, and he, you know, continues to to do this work, essentially. Um, unfortunately, he begins to experience chronic ill health in 1931, and he dies in St. James Hospital in 1932, a few weeks after his 69th birthday. And I think it's believed his death certificate state anyway that he had cardiorenal failure. Um, his funeral 
was held at the Church of Our Lady of Carmel in Battersea Park Road on the 19th of July and Mass was said by four priests. His funeral procession, and we don't really, I don't think I've ever spoken about someone's funeral on this podcast. We normally say they died and that's the end of the story, but it was actually um, a very elaborate and affecting tribute to him. There were 50 wreaths, a cross bearer, um, there were limousines, there was a hearse laden with flowers, there was an open carriage, the procession went slowly through Battersea Park Road, past um, John Archer's old photography studio, his home, um, past the headquarters of the North Battersea Labour Party, and up Latchmere Road, round Eland Road into Lavender Hill. If you know Battersea, this might make more sense to you. I'm just reading road names. Um, I don't know the route. Um, But it passed at a slow pace and council officers were outside to see him off, you know, to his final resting place. Um, And it was very clear that, you know, he was a much-loved figure because you wouldn't have that turnout if you weren't. And his kind of legacy continues on in 2013 when I mentioned at the start the plaque was erected by English Heritage at 55 uh, Brynmer Road, Battersea, London, um, which is in the London Borough of Wandsworth. Now, just to finish, the Asian allegations, which is the note left by my researcher, Zakia. Um, And I don't know why. (laughs) This is really interesting to me because think it's always cool to hear the stories of these people uh, when we look at individuals within um, history more broadly but also to see how they are kind of accepted or not or the response to them and we kind of heard about the racism that uh, John Richard Archer was facing and dealing with um, when he was elected but also there was a lot of rumour and speculation in the press about his actual ancestry people not really accepting believing that he was black now very problematic as as you can imagine but also I get it just I don't know why it just reminds me of Obama and people were like actually he's not he's not just African-American or he's not African he's not of Kenyan descent or Hawaiian descent he's he's not a real American (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot of that um it's very interesting that it's the same the same games being played um but the speculation around John Richard Archer were reports that were put out suggesting that he was from Rangoon which is a region in Burma Myanmar um or somewhere in India they they didn't they couldn't decide where they just were like it's it's not it's not Liverpool he is not from Liverpool and at this point it's good to note and important to note that Liverpool had a very well established black population so you know it's not like he's like the only black person ever to live or be born in Liverpool there are a notable amount of people there um it's a merchant town you know it's a place that a lot of ships would have been going in and out of from all over the world, meaning it would have a somewhat diverse population. Um, and as I mentioned, he had his opening speech when he was accepted as mayor and he said, I've been born in a little obscure village in England, probably never heard of until now the city of Liverpool. Um, and, you know, whilst, yes, his father was in the mer- was a merchant and he was um, also kind of connected with the Merchant Navy, a lot of newspapers maybe were conflating the fact that being within this, he might actually not be from England, but I actually think it was quite lazy and racist reporting, um, very similar to <laughs> to the reporting of today. Um, I've got notes here that, you know, also questions this idea of his 
proximity to whiteness um, and maybe an attempt to orientalise him and this idea that he couldn't be in this office um, as mayor of Battersea as a black man. That is just, no, He black people don't do that, which, as I mentioned in his speech, it was him saying, we do do this, I'm here. But they still were like, you know, uh, he can't be, he can't be black, he's got to be Asian. Um, this idea coming about maybe too early for it to actually have been theorized or termed um or coined sorry the term hadn't been coined um this idea of like a model minority and asian people kind of fit in that a little bit more so than black people uh, in britain um and the quote that is in the daily telegraph that kind of brings up this controversy is and i quote his features and coloring are eloquent of his origin but his conversation shows no trace of accent and he is a man of good education that bronzed skin and black hair of a hindu or parsi he laughingly declines to say what race he belongs but one might place his forebearers among the lighter people of india and his well-dressed well-groomed appearance is that of a busy and prosperous businessman that second part about the bronze skin was in um, the News Chronicle. So this idea that he's too well-spoken to be black, his skin is too light, too nice, I don't know if that is what's being um, alluded to. He's Yeah, he's too light, he's probably from the light people of India, he's too well-dressed, he's too well-groomed, he's too eloquent, he has no accent, he can't possibly be black. And I think that really says a lot about the kind of expectations and the way black people were perceived uh, in the early 19th 20th century sorry late 19th century um which is obviously quite it's not great let's be honest um but it's very interesting that it's john richard archer that kind of as an individual who's taken up this role who's been elected takes on this kind of burden of him being labelled as not really black when he's so proud of his race um and also obviously john richard archer his mom's irish his dad's from barbados he's a mixed race man not that that was a term used at that point he identified as colored um that is not him denying his blackness in any way shape or form again a term of the time but it's very interesting that kind of all these things are used against him to kind of denigrate his character his identity um and suggest that he is not who he says he is um, and that is kind of where I'm going to leave this episode um, and end it here with the controversy of the Asian allegations. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this week's episode and I hope you tune in for next week's episode where I think we're going to be moving into some conversations about the Windrush uh, as we are fast approaching the 75th anniversary of the arrival of the Windrush ship, which notably brought many caribbean people people from other parts of the world as well to britain um in the kind of post-war migrations that were most notable uh for building up the black population in britain so we're going to be thinking about the windrush scandal we're going to be thinking about how do you celebrate something like windrush day when there is still so many people without compensation struggling at the hands of the home office and the hostile immigration policy um there's a lot to say about all of that and i hope that i can i hope that i can toe the line between quote-unquote celebrating uh, a generation of people that went through so much and achieved so much 
but also making sure that we are not getting complacent in in where we are in this country in regards to race equality and um, broader equality and the fact that these people still don't have compensation. Like, it's ridiculous. Extremely ridiculous. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the History Hotline. To continue the conversation, follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter. The History Hotline is hosted by Deanna Lynn Cook. Research is done by Zakia Riaz.